I want to share something with you guys this morning that I'm calling Braving the Unknown. Braving the Unknown. How many of you guys have ever walked through a season of your life where you don't know what's going to happen next? You kind of walk into this season and you're not quite sure what God's going to do. You thought that you heard God to tell you to take a step of faith or you thought that you were supposed to move into the next season. And then oftentimes when you take that step of faith and you move into the next season, you walk into a season called the unknown and you begin to question everything that you thought God told you. Does that ever make sense? (laughs) You're like, okay, you told me to step out, but I'm not quite sure why I'm doing this because you're not meeting me. How many of you know we serve a God who refuses to show you his schedule and calendar, and it can be quite frustrating? Anybody ever go like, God, if you could just like line out my week. Any planners in here? Like, God, if you could tell me what Tuesday's going to look like, Wednesday's going to look like, and then on Thursday, you're going to get in a car wreck, and you're going to deal with some stuff, and it's going to be bad, but if you can just prep yourself and be ready for it, you'll be all right. You'd be like, all right, great, right? If you could just plan out everything and give me the calendar, I would be awesome. But but here's what I've learned, especially in this past year. Oftentimes when God calls us into the unknown, it's not because he doesn't like us, but it's because he wants to grow us up. Because here's what I've learned in seasons of the unknown. When you walk into seasons of the unknown, it tends to do one thing. It dredges up all the things in your soul that you thought that you dealt with and you realize that you never did deal with them. And you begin to go, all these things start coming to the surface and you're like, I thought I dealt with that anger. I thought I dealt with that loss. I thought I dealt with that frustration or that depression or anxiety. And seasons of unknown begin to bring all these things to the surface. You know, last week we were in Tennessee looking at homes and different things. And one of the things that I noticed is that the landscape in Tennessee is drastically different than the landscape in Louisiana. Now, in Louisiana, if you put into your phone your GPS that you're going to go five miles, your GPS is going to tell you that it's going to take five minutes to get there. Five miles, five minutes. In in Tennessee, if you go five miles, it's going to tell you that it's going to take about 15, 20 minutes to get there. And it's not necessarily because of traffic, but it's because the topography is extremely different. So the way that these road systems are built in Tennessee are literally all over these hills and crevices and mountains and all this stuff. And so what you end up noticing is that on the roads, the speed limits are like 30 to 35 miles an hour, which is terrible for a rule breaker like me, right? But so everywhere you go, it takes longer to get there because you're going through these curves and you're going over mountains and everything is slower. You don't get there as fast as you want to. And one of the things that I noticed while we were there is they have these signs All over the place, it says, warning, blinding road. Now, I mean, a blinding road is this. Have you ever drove up a hill, and you're driving up the hill, and you get about halfway up, this panic sets in because you can't see the other side of the hill? (laughs) And so you, like, hit the brakes, and just for a brief moment, you think, like, what if they forgot to make the rest of the road? (laughs) Right? If you're my wife, you let out a curling scream, slow down! (laughs) And all of a sudden, the only way that you get through this blinding road, the only way that you overcome this is by driving over it and trusting that the people that made the road knew what they were doing, that they didn't just leave it and all of a sudden you, you, you drive off of a cliff. But oftentimes, this is what the unknown looks like. And as a church, we're walking in to the unknown as 
personally, some of you are walking in to the unknown of like, what does this next season of life look like? I feel like God's called me to something. I feel like God is wanting to stretch my faith. I feel like he's wanting to do something in my life, but I'm not quite sure of the details. But here's what I've learned. Oftentimes when God calls you to do great acts of faith, he never gives you the details. He just calls you to go. And oftentimes the hardest thing in the midst of genuine faith is true obedience because here's what we do with God. God, I'll obey if, right? I'll obey if you like lay it all out for me. I'll obey if this happens. But the unknown seasons of life can be quite crippling, can't they? The unknown can be like a gray gray fog that literally sets over your soul where clarity is hard to find. Ever been in the unknown seasons where it feels like you're fighting for some type of clarity? You need an answer from the Lord, but it doesn't matter what happens. It seems like you're just hitting this ceiling. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It seems like you can't get through. It seems like you can't get an answer. You know, marriages are tested in the unknown. Greatly tested in the unknown. Faith is tested in the unknown. Commitment is tested in the unknown. The truth is churches are tested in the unknown. There's two things that often happen with our faith in the midst of the unknown. We either lose it or grow it. <laughs> and there's usually no in-between. We, we, we either lose it or we grow it. We, we, we start to doubt the character and nature of God in the midst of the unknown. Is God really going to be good to me? You start looking at all these other people in your life, and you start noticing, well, God's working in their life, and God's working in their life, and I'm just sitting here in this season of unknown, and God promised me something, and it doesn't seem like it's going to come to pass. And then you come to church, and you hear these cheesy little cliches, and then you get on Facebook, and you read these quotes, and you're like, it's not doing anything for me, right? And so you find yourself in this season of the unknown. In 2 Corinthians, the church of Corinth is in a season of the unknown. They're in this season where some things are shifting within the church, and I love what Paul writes to them. So I want to read this to you, um, chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. He says this, Companions, as we are in this work with you, we beg you, notice the language, please don't squander one bit of this marvelous life God has given us. God reminds us, I heard your call in the nick of time. How many of you know to us it always seems like God's late? Anybody? Like, God, if you could just show up on time, like for me, that would be be awesome, right? But it it says that God shows up in the nick of time. Watch this. The day you needed me. God, it would have been better if you could have gave me some clarity so I wouldn't panic so much. Like if you could have showed up a week before I actually needed you so I I could get a breather, right? He says, I was there to help. Well, now is the right time to listen. The day to be helped. Watch what he says. Don't put it off. Don't frustrate God's work by showing up late, throwing a question mark over everything we're doing. How many know the seasons of unknown can throw a question mark over everything in your life? Begin to question everything. You begin to look at everything in your life differently. But watch what he says. Our work as God's servants gets validated or not in the details. Now, this is what I want to encourage you, O.C. Crowley. I want to encourage you with this. People are watching us as we stay at our post alertly, unswervingly. People are watching us. People watch you as a person, as a business, as a church, when you go through seasons of the unknown. Because seasons of the unknown reveal who you really are. Seasons of the unknown reveal the character that you actually have. The unknown can cause us to live our life with a huge question mark over it, can it? 
And we begin to question things like, is God really going to be good? Is God going to be faithful? In the seasons of unknown, I don't, I don't know about you, but my wife and I have had some really difficult conversations. And I've noticed my own faith tested in the seasons of unknown of going like, I'm not sure God's actually going to be good. Can I, can I just be honest with you? I've even shown that time, like, I'm not actually even sure he's real sometimes. Does it ever feel like that? Does it ever feel like, am I the only one? You're like, oh my, I feel like I can say anything now and it doesn't really matter, right? <laughs> but when you go through the season of unknown, you can put this massive question mark over everything in your life and you have two options to make in the middle of that question mark. You can allow your faith to go dormant or you can allow it to be tested. And you can allow God to begin to work and do some deeper work in you. I love this quote by Richard Rohr, and he says this. The opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is control. The opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is control. Because how many know when you walk through seasons of unknown, you're like, God, get out the way, I got this. Right? Like, you're not working fast enough. Right? So when we walk into seasons of unknown, what do we want to do? We want to control. All right, God, hold on. Time out, God, time out. All right, Monday, this is what my day is going to look like. I need you to come through on this. And then Tuesday, I'm going to go to this meeting, and I really need you to show up on this. And then Wednesday, like, we are categorizing and organizing God's schedule for our life. How many know it doesn't work like that? So I want to make three observations this morning. The first one is this. The unknown is scary. The unknown is scary. And the greatest temptation in the middle of the unknown is to try to control God to try to control God. Now, why do we try to control God in the midst of the unknown? Because the unknown requires us to change. And the truth is, most humans are creatures of comfort. We don't like change. You ever have anything in your life throw your routine off? You're like, man, I don't like this. I like my routine. I like, I, like sh- I like waking up in the morning. I like drinking my coffee. I like sitting with my wife. I like going to work. And I like coming home and playing with the kids and putting them to bed. And then I like watching Netflix. And I don't want anything to ruin that routine. Any, anybody ever have anything just interrupt that routine? And it frustrates you. It throws you into the middle of like, what do I do now? We tend to resist things that are not familiar. But this is also the reason that we don't grow. In order for us to grow, we have to step out into something that we are not used to. I I genuinely believe this. This church was never built around my wife and I. That at the end of the day, what God is doing in this church is bigger than any one person. That, That it's bigger than us, it's bigger than a family, but ultimately what this church has, this city needs. And what what Paul is reminding us in in 2 Corinthians is people are watching us. Are we going to stay at our post? Are we going to be alert? Are we going to be unswervingly? Are we going to say, you know what, at the end of the day, even though we walk into the middle of the unknown and we don't know what it's going to look like, we're going to trust in the character and the faithfulness of God. Who wants to grow? Anybody want to grow in here? Then you have to embrace the unknown. You have to walk into something that you are not familiar with because it sharpens you, it challenges you. All the things that you thought that you dealt with a year ago, or you went to counseling and you thought you sorted some things out, the unknown brings up everything in your soul, <laughs> and it brings it to the surface. 
So, so let's imagine it this way for a moment. Let's imagine I come to you and I say, hey, listen, they're opening the best steakhouse in Lafayette, Louisiana, like on the planet. And I got us reservations Friday. The steaks are so good, it's like $200 a steak. $200. But here, here's what I want to do. I want to pay for you. This is not reality. But I want to pay for you to come to the restaurant, and, and we're going to share a steak. And we're going to eat the best steak. And so you're, you're getting excited. Like, man, I'm about to taste the best steak in the world. We're going to the nicest restaurant. So we show up to this restaurant. We're, we're raving about it. We're talking about it. You see all the plates. You ever walk into the restaurant and you're so hungry and you smell the food and like everything smells good to you, right? You ever sit down at a restaurant and you're like, I'm about to eat this napkin because it smells so good. And so you're anticipating like this is going to be amazing. The steak's going to be awesome. It's going to be good. We sit down. The waiter comes. He's like, what do you want? Well, obviously you get a filet mignon, right? You get, you get the best cut. You have it cooked well, medium rare. If you get anything outside of that, I question your integrity and character. But... Um, that's the way it should be done, okay? Uh, so, so we go, you order this steak, and then the waiter comes to me, and, you're, and, and the waiter's like, what would you like, Mr. McCann? I'm like, I'm going to take chicken fingers. And you're like, time out. You invited me to this place to have the best steak. I'm getting a steak, and you're getting chicken fingers. And you look at me, and you say, why are you getting chicken fingers? I say, well, I'm getting chicken fingers. Although I've heard the steak is good, and everybody else is saying it's good. I've never tasted it for myself, so I'm just going to settle with what I know. So I'm going to stick with the chicken fingers. And, and you look at me and you're like, that's ridiculous. We're at the best steakhouse in the world, and you're eating chicken fingers. Like, you can get those anywhere, right? And it makes sense in your mind of, like, this is absolutely insane. You invited me into this moment to share this steak, and you're not going to enjoy it. What if this season of the unknown that you are about to walk into as a church, God is inviting you into this place, and he has something prepared for you, but because you are unwilling to change, you settle for chicken fingers. And you say, you know what? No, it's not what I know. It's not what I'm comfortable with because I'm not sure. I've never, I've never tasted that before. See, this is why so many Christians never mature in their faith because we're not willing to go through seasons of being uncomfortable. I said this before a few months ago, but you have to hear this. Growth and comfort do not mix. If you want to grow, you have to walk into the unknown. I love when Jesus calls Peter out of the boat. What does he say? He doesn't say, Peter, when you step out of the water, here's what the water's going to feel like. And then when you take the first step, this is what you're, he just says, step out, step out. And so Peter just blindly trusts. And what does he, Peter always gets a bad rap for this. Like, well, then he, he t- we, we use sermons like this. He took his eyes off of Jesus. He stepped out of the boat. Nobody else did, <laughs> Right? We give him a bad rap for like, oh, man, you know, he sunk. You wouldn't step out of the boat. <laughs> he stepped out of the boat. And here's the, here's the crazy thing about the unknown. Here's what the unknown consists of, and you have to be okay with it, failure. And failure doesn't mean that God is done with you. It just means that God is working in you. 
and he's trying to build up some integrity. He's trying to build up some character. He's trying to get you to a place where you understand the unknown can be, it can be scary. It can be terrifying. But you have to come with the mindset of I'm not settling. I'm not settling for what I always know. We, we all know those people, right? That get at a restaurant and every time you're like, dude, chicken fingers again? Are you Pastor Josh is that kind of guy. I'm just throwing out in that right now for you. I love him to death, but we go to the best chicken fingers. What? We're at a sushi place. Anyway. What if your anger hasn't gone away, though, because you're unwilling to embrace the unknown? What if your marriage hasn't changed and you've been praying for it to change, but you have not been willing to step into the unknown? Listen, you can pray all day for your marriage to change, but unless you are willing to walk into a scary place of being vulnerable, that there might actually be something wrong with you and it's not all your spouse, nothing is going to change. This is a fact. Every fulfilled promise in the scripture came out of the unknown. Every fulfilled promise. I did a lot of reading yesterday and looking all throughout the Old Testament. And and you, you begin to read all these stories and you're like, wow. Every promise that God gave someone never happened like that. But yet we have so westernized Christianity that that's what we believe, right? That we believe that well, if I think it, I dream it, I, God promised it to me, then next week he provides. How many of you know that's just not how it works? Every fulfilled promise, watch this, 40 years in the, in the wilderness before the children of Israel walk into the promised land. So here's what God does. He goes, I'm going to free you from slavery, and I'm going to give you the promised land. He leaves out a minor detail. <laughs> but you're going to be in the desert for 40 years. <laughs> now, why did he do that? He was doing some work on the inside because here's the truth. I believe in order to receive the promise that God actually has for us, he has to do some inner work in us because if we got the promise too early, we would squander it. And here's what we would do. We would take credit. We would say, well, it was all me. This is what I did. Moses would be like, I got him out of Israel. or I got him out of Egypt. We went to the desert. We were in there two weeks and now we got the promised land. What does he do? He takes glory for himself. How many of you know 39 years later, Moses is like, it's got to be, like, if we get there, guys, it's going to be God, because I am too stupid to know where we're going, right? 40 years. What about this one? God gave Joseph a dream that one day you would rule. And Joseph gets all proud. What does he do? He, he goes and tells his brothers. He said, listen, God gave me this dream that one, think of this, one day you will bow before me. <laughs> They'd be like my son, Timothy, going to Eli, his older brother. He said, God gave me a dream. Like, one day you will bow before him. Eli would kick him in the face, right? What do his brothers do? They get jealous. They, they chunk him in a pit. But God gave him a dream. It wasn't until 23 years later, until Joseph is standing out on the palace, and he begins to realize, oh, my goodness, this dream came to life. Now, what did he have to walk through that? He had to be rejected by his own family. He had to be falsely accused of something. He was imprisoned for things that he didn't do. What about David? David, think about this. At the age of 15, Samuel comes and anoints him as king. Anoints him as king. Just imagine that for a moment. Anybody have teenagers? A 15-year-old. How many of you know his head went, like, it got this big? I'm going to be king. 
Like imagine you're 15 year old. You're like, you will be president one day. Like God told me this. That 15 year old would be like, he, I don't know. At my 15 year old self would have been like, I don't know about you, but one, I'm going to be king. <laughs> I'm going to have servants. It's like, like all these things, right? It wasn't until David was 30 years old that he became king. So for 15 years, what is he doing? He's hiding in caves. He's fearing for his life. He's running away from Saul. The promises of God will not come alive unless you are willing to brave the unknown. They just won't. Now, the second observation is this. And I feel like this one is very real. The unknown can feel wrong feel wrong. It feels wrong because it's not what we're used to. It feels wrong because the unknown dredges out everything in your soul that you thought that you dealt with. The unknown brings out the real you. We can fake it for a little while. We can even fool, how many of you know we can even fool ourselves? Like the Bible even teaches us this, that, that, that we don't even know our true heart. You ever been in an argument with your spouse and all of a sudden like the monster comes out? And like five minutes later, you're like, oh my God, I didn't even know I had that in me. Like, where did that come from? Like, we don't even know the stuff that goes on in our own hearts sometimes. But here's what I've learned in Seasons of the Unknown, is that the unknown brings up two things. It brings up why, <laughs> and it brings up how. Why? So uh, it, it goes something like this. God, why are you doing this? Anybody ever ask this question? God, Why? Why am I walking through this? God, why do I feel this way? Or God, how long? (laughs) How long is this season going to be? Here's the tragedy in the midst of the unknown. Is that oftentimes what God is trying to do. Well, let me read you the quote and then I'll explain. This is Thomas Merton. He says this. You do not need to know precisely what is happening in the unknown or exactly where it is all going. Watch this, this is so important. What you need is to recognize the possibilities and challenges offered by the present moment and to embrace them with courage, faith, and hope. That's the challenge in the midst of the unknown. So let me say it in a different way. When you are in a season of not knowing what's going to happen next, the greatest temptation that you are going to have is to numb the present and fantasize about the future. So so what do you do? Instead of thinking about what God is trying to do in this very moment, in the season of the unknown, you pull yourself out of the, I don't want to think about the present, it's too painful, it's too hard. So I'll just think about like, man, one day when God gives us that child or that marriage or God gives us that house or one day when we have those finances and we have that home and you start fantasizing about all the things that haven't come to pass yet and you miss out what God's trying to do in the very present moment in your heart right now. And oftentimes what he's trying to do is saying, even when you walk through seasons of suffering, difficulty, and unknown, he's still trying to bring you to a place where you can understand that his character is still good, even though it doesn't feel like it. This Thomas Merton quote is literally the way out of the unknown. It's learning to be present in the moment of what God is doing in your heart right now. Not what he wants to do five years from now. Our culture has gotten so good at this, getting you to think about the future and numb out the present. This is why, this is why, we, this is why we drink too much. This is why we watch too much Netflix. This is why we busy, like, so 
my personality, and you've noticed this if you've been here with me the past five years, it's so hard for me to sit still. I remember oftentimes my mom or, or my dad would be at the dinner table, I'm the one tapping my leg. Anybody? Like you have that child that's shaking the entire house because your leg is going, it's like thumper, right? <laughs> Constantly tapping the table. I'm like, oh, I, I'm, I, I have such a hard time thinking about what's going on right in the present. My mind is always firing off 57 million different ways. And the greatest thing that God has had to teach me in this season is to stop and begin to focus on what is God doing in my heart right now? Can I tell you why I don't like that? I don't like that because the moment I pause, the moment that I get off my phone, the moment that I stop watching a show, the moment that I stop trying to busy myself, the moment that I have a head-on collision of the reality of my heart, now I've got to deal with it. And I go, oh, wow, I don't actually trust God like I thought I did. Or, wow, like God is calling me to a life of great faith, but I am terrified. People look at Claire and I's journey of, you know, moving to Tennessee and starting a business. Like, man, we're so proud. You guys are going to do so amazing. I'm like, yeah, that's great. Awesome. I'm terrified. But we know it's what God has called us to do. See, Hebrews 11, we say it all the time, but I think we have a harder time actually believing it. What does it say? Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things what? Not seen. How many of you are like faith people as long as you can see it? (laughs) Gotta have so much faith as long as it's right here. As long as you can just keep it right in front of me. True faith requires us to embrace the unknown. Let me say it another way. Faith does not exist without the unknown. Faith is not real without the unknown. Listen, we, we get so good at this within in churches, right? We share Facebook quotes, we read little scriptures, and we quote them, we talk about them. But my, my, my fear, specifically within the church world and Christians, is that we have become professionals at knowing what to say, actually don't know how that actually applies to our heart. And we don't sit with it long enough. We don't actually break ourselves away from the world for a moment and go, God, what do you want to do in me? My fear is that we've become really, really good at reading the Bible for other people, but not for ourselves. We've become really, really good at like, you know, tailoring our lives on Facebook and Instagram and making ourselves look like we look really good and we're smart and we've got it all together, but behind the scenes, we're absolutely falling apart. You know what the problem of of not being vulnerable and transparent with who you really are with other people is that when you actually go through something difficult, you're stuck because you've put on a mask for so long, if you actually tell somebody that your life is falling apart, they would never believe you because you've wore the mask long enough that everything's perfect and together. This is why church is so important. This is why community is so important. This is why for Claire and I, it's literally like this last year and a half has just been us being as (laughs) as open as we can with the right people. Like, this is where my heart's at. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm dealing with. These are my thoughts about God right now. I don't, I don't trust him. It is learning to get that honest and that open. And, and it's pulling away that churchy, like, cliche that, like, oh, God's faithful. He's going to come through. But you don't really believe that, do you? <laughs> it's getting to that place. 
of getting to the honest place of just going, you know what, God, we have been praying. We have been fasting. We have been trusting you. Where are you? But I want to challenge you with this. My third observation, the unknown is necessary. It is necessary. It's necessary to grow up. I can't tell you how many 50, 60-year-old Christians that I've met that have been serving God for 40, 50 years and still don't know Jesus. Listen, just because you have years on this doesn't mean anything because unless you've done some genuine heart work and you've dove into the depths of your soul and you've allowed God to crack you open and other people to see who you really are, you really haven't done much work. And that's what my challenge that I would offer to you guys this morning is that the unknown is necessary, that that the unknown is a place where God does his greatest work. So in 2 Corinthians, Paul concludes it with this. He says, 2 Corinthians 6, um, 11 through 13, he says, Dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you, watch this, to enter this wide open, spacious life. And watch what he says. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. Now watch what he says. I'm speaking as plainly as I can with great affection. Open up your lives, live openly and expansively. The smallest life that we can live is when we are unwilling to embrace the unknown. We can live this great, expansive, open life where anything is possible, but it requires us walking into a season of the unknown going, I don't know what's next, but God, I trust you. And I just want to challenge you and encourage you as a church, as you guys walk into a season of the unknown with even a transition in in leadership, I, I want you to know this. If I have any influence over your life, if you trust me in any kind of way, and I want you to know one thing, one of the most peaceful things that Claire and I have been able to do is been able to follow what we feel like God is calling us to do because we know that we have a team here that loves you guys just as much as we do. And our hope in this whole process is that you would see something. Listen, and every time a new person, God raises up a new person, listen, there's always, do I trust them? Well, they're not like Pastor Zach or they don't do things like he did or they don't, they're not supposed to because <laughs> they're not me. But at the end of the day, here's what I genuinely, genuinely believe, that God loves this church more than we do and God knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly what this church needs in this next season. And even though we we walk into a season of the unknown, I, I want to challenge you the same way that Paul challenged the Corinthians. People are watching you. Stay at your post alertly and unswervingly. How many know people genuinely watch you when you enter into seasons of the unknown? When you, when, all of a sudden, when something shakes up in your life, people are watching to see how you respond and how you react. And, and this is the greatest challenge as a Christian in, in the church today. Can you walk through the unknown and can you still say, God's faithful, he's good, and the next season for OSC Crowley is gonna be better than it's ever been before.
Because it's not built around one person. It's not built around a building. At the end of the day, this, this church was founded on a love and a passion to reach people and build lives and see Jesus come and invade broken hearts and families restored and marriages restored. Like, that's what it's all about. It's not about a person. I don't know we're human. I know that there's emotions attached to it because the greatest privilege that Connor and I have, I have had over the past five years has been leading this church. Man, I mean, I look at it five years ago. I was 28 years old when we started this church. I had no, <laughs> no clue what I was doing. Absolutely none. Zero. I, like I made more mistakes than people on Sunday. People thought I was great. And the, behind the scenes of the week, I was like, I have no stinking idea what I'm doing. No idea. People are like, can you counsel me? I'm like, sure. I've never done that before, but I'll try it. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> let's, let's go. And, and so it's been such a great privilege because I mean, we've married most, a lot of you. We, we've cried with you at funerals. We've sat with you. you. You've let us come into the most vulnerable parts of your life. And I just want to challenge you, don't stop that. Don't stop that. Don't stop doing what you're doing. Allow God, listen, allow this to be centered around God, not around a person. And the greatest tendency in the midst of the unknown is to be hesitant to change, right? I don't know. And as a silly example as it may sound, Don't settle for the chicken fingers when God's trying to give you a steak. Because here's what I know. Here's what I didn't tell you about that example. If you notice, when I first started it off, I said, I invited you to the restaurant. (laughs) Listen, God is inviting you into this moment, and I genuinely believe the next season is going to be exactly what this church needs, and it's going to be better than it's ever been. But don't step back and go, I I don't know. Uh, I'm not comfortable with this. I don't know about this. Listen, God's all over this. God's all over. I wish I could sit back and, and spend days with you and tell you how God has just miraculously worked things out. Through the team being, even in Claire and I's own life, just personally what he's done on the business side of, like it's, it's crazy to see what God is doing. Which is like confirmation after confirmation after confirmation that God's all over this. All over this. Stay at your post unswervingly. And if I have any influence over your life, I want you to know this. If you trust me, trust the team that's coming in. It's been the greatest piece for us. Now, oh, they're not Pastor Zach. They shouldn't be. They shouldn't be. They're going to be themselves. That's, that's been the greatest joy and privilege that Claire have been, and I have been able to do here. We've just been able to be ourselves. We've been transparent and open with you about our lives. You've heard, you've heard about my failures and mistakes. I've stood up here on this pulpit and accidentally cursed a few times, and you've laughed and had a good time with it. Like we've just, they're, they're going to <laughs> We cut that out of the podcast. So <laughs> but they're going to come in, and, and they're going to be different, but it's not bad. It's not bad. One of the greatest privileges that I have is um, literally it's been 18 years that Pastor Josh and I have been working together. And uh, Pastor Josh is the one that's going to be taking lead here at this campus. And it, it, it brings us so much peace in knowing that his heart is the same as ours, to come in, to reach people, to build lives. 
and they care about this church just as much as we do. We would not be making this decision at this moment if we felt like that was not the case. And so I know change is unfamiliar. I know change can be difficult, but the unknown is necessary for growth because growth and comfort do not mix. And I genuinely believe this. The best days for this church are in front of us. Can I challenge you one last thing? The city of Crowley needs this church and they're watching you. They're watching you. They're watching to see how you respond. They're watching to see how you talk about it. They're watching to see how you honor the next people that come in. They're watching. And I promise you, if you can do this well, man, God is gonna do something significant here. He's going to. So before I bring it to a close, I want to um, just give my wife about five minutes. She wants to share something. So we give her a hand as she comes up. So how many of you have a promise that you think God's given you? Raise your hand. I want to see like, okay, maybe not a promise, maybe like a future that you know that, like a goal that God's given you, a, a dream for the future. Everyone raise your hand if that's you, if you know, believe God's given you something. Okay, so 2 Peter 3, it says this. It says, God isn't late with his promises as some measure lateness. Now, how many of y'all can test that it, it feels late sometimes, right? I mean, I would venture to say every single time I felt like God's given me a promise, it's been late. Like, I've had, okay, God, by this date, this is what you need to do. And it literally, like, I'm not exaggerating that, literally never happens by that date. How many of you guys feel like God's late to the promise right now? I mean, yeah, you you feel, how does that feel? I mean, if you let yourself be present in that moment, it feels like, uh, I don't know if I trust you, God. I don't know if you're good enough to meet me really here. I don't, am I really, like what are you doing here? You question his character and question his goodness. And sometimes we can see God's goodness to everyone else, but it's hard to see God's goodness to me, especially in the middle of that. But this is what it says, if you continue. He's restraining himself on account of you, holding back the end because he doesn't want anyone lost. Now listen to this part. He's giving everyone time and space to change. Now, I would say that that part of the scripture, he's giving everyone time and space to change that's called a process. That's what we would say. You know, he's, he's taking us on the process to get to the promise. And I want to encourage you this morning because all, a lot of us, we have this, especially, how many perfectionists are in here? There's got to be more than that. Okay, I'm a recovering perfectionist. And I know for me, one of the hardest things about it is you look at other people going through the process of change and taking their next step into the promise that they're, they're supposed to take. And it looks like they have it all together. Right? I mean, you look at people on Instagram, you see people in public, or you see people, you see us, and you're like, man, they have it together. They know what they're doing. (laughs) And I'm letting you know now, that is the enemy, because some days you're just laying in bed, and you're like, I don't even know how I'm going to make it. I don't even know, God, how I'm going to, like, carry myself through this. God, I don't have the strength to do what you're calling me to do. I don't have the faith to do what you're calling me to do. But I want you to know, just as Proverbs says, a righteous man falls seven times, yet he rises again. Yeah. That is what shows growth. That is what that process is about. It's not about doing it perfectly. It's not about having your stuff together. It's about fa- falling and getting back up. It's about feeling weak and getting back up. It's about knowing that you can't handle it on your own and feeling like you're totally incapable of following what God has for you. 
and him meeting you and him sustaining you. So I just want you to be encouraged this morning that growth feels like weakness a lot of times. And our journey and towards God doing what he has for us, our journey towards um, God's promise, it, it feels like failure sometimes. But rise again. Get back up. Do not stay in that place. Invite someone else into it. Let God be what sustains you. So I, I just want you to know that this has been one of the greatest honors of our life to do this. And I just am so thankful that you've let us in. It's such a vulnerable place to have community, to do church differently and to say, okay, we're not going to be all perfect. We're not going to, I mean, for you guys to come to let us into the, the messy parts of your life, the broken parts, but that is actually the, the time that God changes. That's how God changes. That's how God meets us. So I just, I'm so thankful for you guys and I, I, we love you. Yeah, so just to conclude, and I'm just going to pray, and then I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Josh. Um, just to conclude, when when you do walk into seasons of the unknown, um, you're also going to walk through seasons where it doesn't feel like you're making any progress. <laughs> and you actually feel like you're failing more than you're succeeding. And you're actually going to feel like the unknown was a mistake. You're going to feel like, oh my gosh, why, why did I make this decision? Why is this really God? Because if it was, it seems like it would be so much better than this. It seems like I would have things more figured out and there would be, you know, a clearer path. Um, but the truth is the test in the unknown is can you fail and keep going? <laughs> can you have moments of weakness? Can you have moments of failure? And can you get back up? And can you keep going? Because how many know when you walk into the unknown, it's not, nobody gives you a playbook and says, hey, here's what it's going to look like. You got to go and you got to trust and you got to trust that God's going to meet you in the middle of it and that you're, you're writing the book and as we go, right? So I just want to encourage you to do that. Trust the process that God has for this church. Trust the team that comes in here. And God's going to do some incredible, amazing things here at this church. We love you guys.